Welcome to Beyond Bite Wings, the business side of dentistry, brought to you by Edwards & Associates PC. Join us as we discuss how to build your dental practice, optimize your income, and plan for your future. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Edwards & Associates PC is not rendering legal, accounting, or professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information that is shared. At Edwards & Associates PC, our business is the business of dentistry. For help or more information, visit our website at enassociates.com. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Bite Wings, the business side of dentistry. Today we have here Robert Edwards. Hello. Myself, Ash Fezula. And our special guest here today, Shelly DeGroff. Hi, Shelly. Hi. How are you? Doing great. Thank you guys so much. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. Same here. We can't wait. I'm sure the listeners are very excited to hear what you have to say. So today, Shelly is in Nebraska, and we're recording her through Zoom. Want to give you a little background on Shelly. She is the founder of PPO Advisors, and she graduated from the University of Nebraska in 2005, began working in a dental office as a dental assistant, worked up to, I, or, I'm sorry, started as a receptionist, worked up to an assistant and then office manager. And after about 10 years in the dental office, she realized that the the need for PPO negotiations. And that's where her business model for the PPO advisors began. And she started her company in 2011. And here we are today. Shelly has worked with many of our clients, not enough of them though. <laughs> and uh, Shelly, tell us anything I left out. Tell us a little about uh, PPO advisors and anything you want to, and we'll go from there. Awesome. Well, you always do a great job of, you know, explaining what we do, but I'll go in a little bit further in detail. So you are right. The business model came because insurance is constantly changing things on us. It's a, it's an ever changing game that we have to be navigating and on our toes to be able to stay successful with insurance. So the need to have PPO negotiators is really extensive because the changes are constant. So when I created the business model, it was built off of the design. I worked for dentists. I understood the significant needs and fears and issues that go on within insurance and a dental practice that it had to make sense. So we are a very unique company in the fact that we provide a completely free analysis to an established practice so they can see the true return on investment based off of the current production going on in the practice. And there's not any other company out there that's willing to do all of that work up front to be able to show and prove the value that we're able to do. So we're extremely passionate about what we do um, and we're really successful with what we do. And not only do you do the analysis for free, but I think you're a little bit unique in the way you charge the clients for the actual service of negotiating. You want to explain that? Yeah, absolutely. We do have a couple different pricing models so that there is a price point for every practice. But our main model is a percentage off of what we are able to increase on your PPO reimbursements. So we are looking at a 12-month snapshot of insurance productivity which then we break down to the individual insurances so we know exactly what was being produced and how it was being produced with each individual company. From there, 
our negotiations are going to show how well you could have done if you were doing that same production on this new fee schedule that is secured for you. And that increase is the difference between your current PPO and your new based off of the frequency of codes in your production. So we take 20% of that increase and we're able to show you a real scenario within your practice. So long as you are in a growth pattern or in a stable pattern, you are going to produce the same as what you did, hopefully more than what you did in the year we are analyzing. So we are working at a percentage so you know that we are working the absolute hardest we can for you and it's going to to revenate into what you know we get in return so basically what you're saying is if you were unable to achieve an increase in any of the fee schedules for a particular client then you don't get paid anything that's exactly right and and we shouldn't get paid anything if we're not able to improve anything for a provider, they're already losing with insurance. You shouldn't have a risk of having to lose more if you cannot get an increase. So I, th- I think that's good that you're at risk as well as the client. So I think people appreciate that. And, and, and again, you're working on their behalf because it's clear that you benefit from it when they benefit from it. Exactly. And then once they pay you, do they are they able to spread the payments out over a period of time or do you yep. request that all up front or how does that work? Yep. No. So we always have our standard six months, no interest on payment plans, typically with insurance changes, transitions, anything that we are improving upon will be done within a three to six month timeframe for the most part. So we extend our payments out for six months. If it's an extreme case or if there's something unique going on, we're not set in stone that it has to be just one, one way. So we're always going to work with the practice to make sure it works for them as well. And the next big question after cost, because that's the always the first question I get from a client, but the next big question is, why do I need someone else to do this for me? Why can't I do it on my own? Absolutely. So it goes back to, I understand a little bit about my car, but why would I be the one that is going to change the oil or do something else big to it? So yes, absolutely. An office can do this on their own. And office managers probably have the knowledge and the know-how to do this. It comes down to what we're doing isn't a secret. It's a game. So we are having to play a game with the insurance companies unravel the web that they have put together, blocking practices from getting those increases. And we know exactly what that roadmap is. So if you don't know the roadmap, if you don't know all the turns to take, you are missing out on opportunities to increase those PPO reimbursements. And a lot of these contracts now are so vague that you really don't know what you're getting into. So you think you may have something fantastic, but it's ultimately setting you up for failure because you'll never be able to get out of it. So it's the knowledge of the contracts. It's the knowledge of the network mapping that makes it so important to have somebody else who's an expert do it as opposed to someone in your own practice. And how long does it typically take for you to get a result for a client? So our analysis typically takes four to six weeks. For them to start seeing the actual results in the practice is going to depend on how they're contracted currently. If we're terming a contract and moving it, you always have a 90-day term process. So you have to expect a three-month wait. If it's already being contracted through umbrella companies or lease share agreements and we're just rerouting things or increasing the current contracts, it can be as quick as 30 days. So what we do is not necessarily 
a sprint at all. You have to look at this as an investment for that first year. And it's a marathon. It needs to be done. It needs to be done so that it doesn't impact you in a negative way. Some of these changes, they may be big changes that are putting you out of network for a very short amount of time. And we have to be strategic on how we do certain things. So you don't want someone to rush through it. Ultimately, that first year is what we consider our marathon. It's We're going to be working together at a slow pace to make sure everything is 100 percent perfect. But on average, most of the results are fully seen for practices within a six-month time frame. Okay, that's great. And then a big question that I always get is how often can I go back and renegotiate these rates? So the normal, uh, typical turnaround time to go back and renegotiate is 24 months. That's the standard in our industry. 24 months, your contract is renegotiable. The way I look at it, though, we have practices that will reach out and say, we just credentialed ourselves a year and a half ago or nine months ago, and we're not happy with our contracts or our fee schedules. Is there any way we can still try to do negotiations? And the fact of the matter is yes, because there are so many different ways to be contracted. You can pick Aetna up eight different ways. So if you're not happy with your one Aetna fee schedule, then there are several others that you can negotiate and potentially utilize instead. So there's no time limit on that. So don't sit in a bad situation just because you fear you haven't been in it long enough. So yes, the norm is 24 or the typical standard is 24. I say whenever you feel the need is when you should be reaching out. And I know you're not just picking on Aetna. I know that was just an example. There's a lot of other companies out there. Okay. All All of the networks are really shared one way or another now. So there is so much network mapping that goes on. There's a lease share agreement to almost every single one of them. Okay. And Shelly, what's the success rate like for these negotiations? Yeah. Again, depending on how you are currently contracted is going to depend on how far of the increase or how big of an increase we can get. But on average for a practice that has not negotiated in at least the last five years, you should expect to see an increase of anywhere from 20 to 25% in the negotiable fee schedules. Now there are some fee schedules that are non-negotiable, so we can't calculate that in, but on the ones that are negotiable, we are typically increasing those by 20 to 25%. That's an incredibly large amount. It's huge. It's it's huge. And when you think about it, it's working smarter, not harder. It's the same work you've always done, just getting paid significantly You're seeing better. the same number of patients. You're just same getting number. more per patient. Yeah. That's exactly. Is this a good time for clients to consider dropping some of the PPOs? That's a really good question, Robert. And I'm seeing it go both ways. So with COVID and all of the craziness going on, most practices are looking at what should we do with our insurances? Our patients, though, our our members are looking at this as I may not have a job and my benefits are the most important thing we have right now. and We're going to utilize as much as we can while we can. So I think our patient base is being driven more towards PPO. But as we look at certain contracts, I am in favor of 
actually dropping some right now. There are some really bad changes that are going on with some of the networks out there. And it's going to, it's going to hurt these practices if they don't make changes soon. So with that, I would say it's important to strategically look at what is going on with your insurance contracts. And then if there's no possible way to improve them, then yes, I think now is a good time to start having those conversations about dropping some of them. And conversely, on the other side of the coin, if there are clients that really want to put more warm bodies in the chair, is now a time for them to accept some new plans that they're not on. Absolutely. And the insurance companies, some have been fantastic with negotiations through COVID, recognizing that we've taken a big hit here in dentistry. Others have been really nasty. And I'm not going to say their names, but there are some really (laughs) bad insurance companies (laughs) out there that have really shocked me on what they are doing post-COVID. So again, now there's simple changes that can be made with those contracts that can still allow you to stay in network, but knowing what's going on with these contracts is extremely important. Are there some companies out there that just won't negotiate rates? Yes, absolutely. And that's going to be your state specifics. So of course, Medicaid, Medicare are non-negotiable contracts, but also your deltas and your Blue Cross. So each state has their own delta. Each state has their own Blue Cross. And those are not negotiable. All providers are going to receive the same fee schedule within their demographic and specialty. United Concordia also falls under the list of non-negotiables. Those three are off the table, but everything else is negotiable. And when's a good time to negotiate a a startup? Can you do anything for them? How about a a practice transition? Is that a good time? Change of ownership? Is that a good time to bring you in? Absolutely. That new tax ID number is a very desirable number by the insurance companies. So these insurance companies work off of quotas too. Having a new provider, a new office under that new tax ID be set up is a very desirable number. It holds a lot of leverage. So these startup practices, these acquisition practices should definitely take that time and consider negotiating those contracts before just signing up with what's ever available on the first contact with the insurance company or these acquisitions, these transitions that are taking over a new practice and just inheriting what the selling provider has is not the strategy to go with. Almost in every acquisition we do, we are seeing increases of above 30% from what the seller had. Wow. Okay. That's significant. Certainly. Significant. Yeah. So when you're looking at a practice to purchase, you know that there's an ability to right away have an increase of 30% on your collections. That's huge. It is. And what about location? Is there a difference between rural practices and urban practices? If I'm the layman, but to me, it seems like if an insurance company has a lot of providers in a certain area, they're less motivated to increase rates for any one of them. That's exactly it. So you are spot on. But that does not mean that you're not, there's not success to be had in those areas. Almost all cities are saturated with PPOs at this point. So there are less than 6% fee for service practices left in the United States. Wow. Yeah. So there is an in network provider right around the corner from a fee for service practice for sure. With that being said, yes, as the insurance companies become more saturated, more providers being on their network, they are less motivated to increase, but you have to know how to play the game. So again, all of these networks are connected one way or another. There are multiple ways to pick up a network. 
So you don't have to go direct. You can go indirect or you can remap to a higher network fee schedule. So it, it all comes down to knowing how to play games with the insurance company <laughs> in, in a way that's positive. It's not that we're playing a game with them. It's that we're playing what they have put in front of us. So now the ball's in our court, which is great. Work is always more fun if you make it a game. It's a challenge. It definitely is a challenge. Is, is there any particular time of year where it's better for you to do what you do? Not really. Overall, we see the same success. You will find every now and again, a certain representative in a, in a demographic is really looking to meet their quota before the end of the year and are pushing higher fees. It, it's a rare occasion, I will say. We don't come across that as much as I would like to come across that. Overall, we see the same success at any point in time. Negotiations will slow down with the insurance companies come like November 15th, and it's just because they shut the actuary department down. So they'll hold on to the information and then come January 1, we really want to start negotiating on the new fees anyways for the new year. So we do say come the end of the year, we may hold off on all of our negotiations if the 2021 fee schedules are not out yet for us to negotiate. So that would be the only point in time where I would say it's just dependent on if the new fee schedules are out. Okay. And doing what you do as many times as you do it, do you develop relationships with people at the insurance companies? And if so, is that something they discourage? They don't want you getting too familiar with their people, do, do they? Yeah, <laughs> we do. We do definitely build relationships with these insurance companies. And I've not seen it as a negative. And, and I don't think they view it that way either. When you work as a consultant on fee schedules for insurance companies, we do sign NDAs. So they know our business model and we have to abide by the rules. So we are following the rules um, that are laid out in front of us, but that allows us to build the relationships we do build on trust. When we negotiate, we never contact customer service and work our way through the chain. We have direct contacts that we go to. We work with them on a daily basis, which does mean then we get to know more about them personally, which is always great when you need someone in, in your court. So when there is a problem, with a claim or if the schedule was uploaded incorrectly, we have a direct source to go to and a familiar voice and a friend that's going to be helping us on the other end. When it certainly saves a lot of time as well, not oh, going absolutely. through customer service. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Shelly, earlier you said that the typical contract length is about 24 months. What would you say around what time of those 24 months would be a good time for our clients to reach out to you? What I said earlier, every 24 months, your fee schedules are up for renegotiation uh, on average. So some insurance companies will have a 36-month wait, some will have a 12-month wait, but on average, it's 24. Like I said earlier, though, there are multiple ways to be picked up by an insurance company. So don't hold that as you can't negotiate at any point in time within your contracts. Really, you can. It's just a matter of knowing the mapping to do it successfully. A startup, though, who maybe utilized a company like us in, in the beginning, I would definitely recommend that they hold out for that 24 months because there's probably not going to be enough change that makes it worthwhile. But an established practice that may have recently done some quick changes, but it wasn't as successful as they had hoped, you don't need to sit in those and wait 24 months. You can reach out and, and ask for that help, and we can try to navigate something better. Okay. And I know also that I think at 
what I've seen a lot of this year is that the insurance companies have really made a lot more than normal because everybody's still paying their premiums. But for a long time there, people weren't going to the dentist and filing claims and using their benefits. So I've heard that complaint from a whole lot of clients. Mm. Yeah. And it's a hard one to swallow. Uh, it's exactly right. And sadly, some of the insurance companies have even gone a step further and made some really nasty changes in their contracts, which again, I mentioned earlier, I'm really shocked to see how they have come back post COVID and made some really bad changes, in my opinion. But then there's other insurance companies that have recognized this and have been completely understanding and have increased fees on their own and just organically started to add certain increases to top codes. Maybe not all fee schedules, but just top codes, which is exactly what we want to see in times like this. Insurance companies will surprise you sometimes in a good way. (laughs) (laughs) That is a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. uh, Ash, do you have any other questions for Shelly? No, not really. I was just curious from thinking from a client's perspective is that I understand that you can, if I'm a dentist and if I need your help, I can reach out to you for the PPO negotiation. But if if I were considering dropping PPOs, is that something you can help me with as well? Absolutely. And that's the importance of our analysis. So when we are looking at is it time to drop a certain PPO or is it time to add a new PPO, it all comes based on the amount of production being done with those insurance companies now. So if you're producing 400,000 with one of these insurance companies and you want to drop it, well, then what is the backup plan? Because we need to come up with another way to fill that empty space that you could potentially lose as you drop out of that insurance company. I will say we have a lot of practices that have dropped big networks and it is a very scary proposition to do one of the big ones. That's $500,000 worth of your production in the practice. On average, what ends up happening is what we typically see. When you drop someone that big, you're going to have this wonderful first three, four months of this was the best decision we made. And then after that, you're going to have this, oh my gosh, what did we do phase? And then you're going to start to see (laughs) of those patients that exited your practice start to come back. So of the 40% they say are going to leave when you drop a major PPO, 20% will slowly start to come back. And when a client's going to drop a PPO, Are there things they can do to ensure that some of those patients either don't leave or do come back? Yeah, it all comes down to how you are. Why are we dropping the insurance is really what it comes down to. Are we dropping it because it's just the rates or is it also because we can't provide the quality of care we want to be able to provide because of all the stipulations that these insurance companies can put out there when you are transparent with these patients and they have an understanding of why you are no longer in network with their insurance, it is a little bit easier. So I definitely recommend transparency, open communication about what is going on with that certain insurance company, but then also having a pathway for them to stay, which may be an in-office membership program or some sort of loyalty program within your practice that is going to help them offset any out-of-pocket expense that they were not used to having. Now, with in-office membership, you can't double dip. So they would have to drop their insurance as well to benefit from that. But having a course of action, some sort of plan that's going to ease that blow of, hey, we're not in network, but we can do this is going to be very beneficial. And we will definitely coach our clients on what that can be. 
Okay. That's outstanding. Tell people how to get in touch with you. Absolutely. So follow us on Facebook for sure, which is PPO Advisors on Facebook. Um, we're always trying to add more content. We always try to be transparent and put all the, the new changes coming about uh, with insurance so you're on the know. Otherwise, you can go to our website as well, which is ppoadvisors.com. And then my direct email is Shelly with an EY at ppoadvisors.com. Thank you so much again, Shelly, for uh, being here today and talking to our listeners. It was a real pleasure. And I know I certainly learned a lot and I'll probably be able to advise our clients a little bit better. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. I've always loved your support. You guys are a great company to be with. So thank you so much. Uh, thank Thanks, Shelly. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe to Beyond Bite Wings on your favorite podcast platform. For more info, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, or reach out to us on our website. You can also shoot us an email at info at eandassociates.com.